0: In 1 Timothy chapter 4, we will be picking back up in verse 7 where we left off in 1 Timothy chapter 4. And if you have been joining us here and following along here, this section, Paul in here in chapter 4 is addressing the church and her minister, or those who God has put in place to teach, the word and to protect the sheep of that local church. In this case, it's young Pastor Timothy, who has been set in charge by Paul to watch over that those believers in Ephesus. Now Paul is exhorting here young Timothy to be not only a good minister that we saw last time we gathered together, and be a good that good minister, he was to be preaching the word. And uh, a good minister who is, is one who does and preaches the word and the word of God to the people. We saw that in verses 1 through 6. Today we'll see a godly minister who practices the word. Not only does he preach the word, but he actually practices the word in his own life. And then lastly, we will take next, uh, Lord willing, next, next week, we will pick up the last portion of chapter 4, and that is a growing minister, it is one who progresses in the Word of God and continues to grow and, and uh, mature as well in the Word of God. And we see that in their Christian life, verses 13 through 16. Now, Paul here warns Timothy, Uh, of us or warns us of the fact that there would be false teachers that would in false doctrine that would spread from within the church in the end times and pastor Timothy must be a good minister who preaches the word to God's people so that it would protect them and warn them about these things that were creeping into the church it was already inside the church. It's not an outside threat at this point in time, but no, it was now an internal threat that was happening within the family of that church. And Paul desired for Timothy to anchor himself as the minister of the scriptures. He was to anchor himself in his congregation in God's word, not so that they would be able to quote some set of rules or some set of regulations or have some kind of competition who has memorized the most scripture, so that you can get your little star from the church to put on your refrigerator to make you feel better. That's not what they were doing that for. What they were doing it for so that they would grow, each and every person would grow in their knowledge of God and then know how to care for and treat one another when you see these attacks coming your direction through the false doctrines and the false teaching that was going on. That you could protect one another. You would be in this wonderful fellowship with your sister and your sister happens to mention something and you look and go, oh, my sister, Let, let's open up the scripture, because i got I to warn you here about something. That's not what you want to listen to. Or it could be a brother who says, oh, you won't believe what I listen to on the watch on the Google. And uh, then all of a sudden you find yourself going, oh, brother, you shouldn't be watching and listening to these kinds of things. But that's what Paul was saying to, to the, his, his young protege, Timothy, To make sure you are a guard about because these things can't come in. And you want to make sure um, that everyone is protected and cared for in regards to things. So last week we learned about God's spirit warns us. But also today we will see that God's spirit develops us. It develops a man who was called into the ministry. And into a godly minister who practices the word of God, who exercises himself in godliness. Yes, he must exercise himself in godliness. This just doesn't just happen. It happens because a deliberate um, focus on the word of God and applying and practicing it in his life so he too will grow and mature. That is what Paul is saying here to Timothy. And we pick up here when we see the instruction in the ministry to Timothy. Paul is to teach Timothy, his young protege, the things of what needs to take place in the ministry. And this is where we see it played out. And how to tell you are fulfilling your call. So he's kind of saying, Timothy, if you're doing what I've called you to do, what God's called you to do, but I've put you in place to to be that pastor of over Ephesus here, the church, local church, here's the things you should be doing and, and, and keeping a mind to. And of course, one is to not only teach the word but you must practice the word as well Timothy and then we'll be keeping these priorities straight and he's going to uh, highlight to us these priorities as we will take a look here for verses 7 through 12 but here in 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 7 it says uh, Paul writes but reject profane and old wives fables and exercise yourself toward godliness verse 8 For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that is now is and that of that which is to come. So he sits here and he warns Timothy, uh, as Paul, Timothy, and, and certainly in Paul's and Timothy's day, you have to understand and remember that people were caught up in that Greek and Roman culture so heavily that this Greek mythology and Roman uh, genealogies that people would just get wrapped up into these minutiae kinds of things that was being prominent in the culture, trying to figure out to which God they were linked to and from which God they descended from. This is what was happening in the false teachings in that culture, that Greek and Roman culture. Now, these false teachings and traditions... Of the apostates, these doctrines, these false doctrines have no basis in Scripture whatsoever to chase genealogies and chase myth- myth- mytholo- mythology in regards to uh, of the Scriptures. It goes against the Scriptures, so, but, but even today... People will get wrapped up into these kinds of things, such as even horoscopes and all kinds of stuff, thinking these are godly things. They're not. They're against the word of God. They do not line up with the true doctrine of the scriptures. So we must watch out of these things. Paul even warns Titus uh, about these Jewish fables in Titus 1.14. We will see Paul warns again with Timothy in the second letter of, of, of Timothy. Second Timothy 4:4 about these types of fables that were creeping into the culture of the Christian church and bringing the outside culture in and trying to influence the way they think. Again, against the scripture. So Paul's very first instruction to Timothy and his priority was to must be to keep God's word must keep God's word in the teaching of that word in, this, in the church and not the words of man. Paul's cautioned Timothy to keep focus on the word. Don't get distracted by the things that people are writing. Men are writing about the word of God and it allows things to creep into the church. Be very careful of those kinds of things because if it doesn't line up or conflicts with the, uh, the word of God, you should not be reading or listening to those men. Because what happens, and it happens so often and has been happening ever from the very beginning of time, and that is what we see in the scriptures in Ephesus, uh, Ephesians 4, verse 14, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness and deceitful plotting. These were the warnings that we hear and we should take heed today. Be very careful not to get caught in this latest wind of doctrine spreading through different churches. Because if it does, it will deceive you and cause you to go down this path that will weaken your faith in the true and living God that we serve. Because you will do things and say things and teach things and repeat things that go against the Scripture. And you need to be warned, but you also need to take responsibility as a brother and a sister in Christ, in this church, and not allow that to continue to spread in any form. So we see here the greatest effort must be put into God's word and not man's word, as Paul is saying here to young Timothy. Now this is from a negative perspective, a negative aspect of the command not to do this. But from a positive perspective, the priority must be kept on focusing on eternal things and not on temporal things. That is our priority here, Paul is saying to Timothy. And for Timothy to teach the local church there in Ephesus that same thing. I'm going to do the same thing this this morning. I warned you, my brothers and sisters, stay focused on the eternal, not the temporal Stay focused on the Word of God and be warned and be careful not to spread things that go against the Word of God. Now remember, a pastor must know what the enemy is teaching. And so I have to find myself looking and seeing and watching and hearing and people bring things to my my attention about things that are out there. And so my job is to then look that stuff up and to make sure I help that person who's asking the question or warn you these things are happening in the local area so that you're warned so that you don't get deceived by these things but it's so important as I look these things up I don't do it because I'm interested I'm doing it because I want to know if it's scriptural or not or grounded so I can warn you but I cannot and must not ever allow those to influence me in my teaching to you. And that is what I'm always on guard with. That's why I'm very protective of what you tell me and how you tell me and what I read and I don't read. That's why lots of people send me things. And and sometimes people go, well, did you get that, Pastor? Did you get that? I said, I only had to see one thing, and I chose not to listen to it. And I warn you, please don't listen to it anymore. Oh, I think it's really good. I think he's a guy. I understand, but here's why. So I have to listen to it because I have to help her, that young, that, that sister who said it to me. I have to listen to it so I can show scripturally why that is not tr- accurate and true. And I'll do that, and that's what God's called me to do. And so we must be guarded. And we it says here in uh, the end of uh, verse 7, exercise yourself toward godliness. That is what we need to think and focus on on a daily basis. Um, is that because ancient Greek and Roman culture put tremendous emphasis on the physique. Tremendous emphasis on the physique and physical exercise of that day. That was their culture to look good. So Paul gives a second instruction here to Timothy and it says that we need to keep that commitment and that work that you find that you see people doing and committed to working out every day to get, keep that great physique so that they can look good in that Roman culture. Take that perspective, that energy, that, that focus, that commitment to do that, but apply it to spiritual things. P- apply that to your spiritual growth; that your 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 spiritual strength would be far exceeding your physical strength. That your the beauty that comes from you of your spiritual growth will dominate versus your physical flesh. That is what Paul is just trying to encourage Timothy to encourage the people that you must. Timothy, you must start first and you must put the, about the same amount of work, the same amount of commitment that others put toward their physical exercise should be put toward the pursuit of godliness. That is what Paul is saying to Timothy. The word godliness comes from the old English word godlikeness. And it means to have a character and an attitude of God. This is a worthy goal. This must be the goal of that pastor, Timothy, and must be a worthy and, and potential uh, the highlight or the characteristic that people think of them. They don't look at the pastor and say, look at how much he's been lifting. He's really gotten the bulk. You'd obviously never say that about me. But you might hopefully see me slimming down, not getting bigger in that respect. But you'll. But the main thing is, 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 he, is he growing is his potential of, you know, of, of, of excitement around the word of God and the teaching of the word of God and the energy about giving out the word of God? Do you see that from the pastor? Do you hear him talking about the things of God? Is he encouraging you in the things of God one on one? Is he wanting to spend more time in the Word of God and share that Word of God with you? That is the things we need to look at. Because bodily exercise, as Paul says here, profits a little. It's in the same value or the idea of that bodily exercise is good for a while. That's what Paul is saying. We understand you need to work out. You need to have a healthy body. We understand that. Yes, our bodies are God's temples to be used for his glory. First Corinthians chapter six, verses nineteen and twenty. That's where all the young guys go first when we talk about, you know, the exercise there, prophets. A little. Well, you know, Pastor, we're supposed. To, God's, you know, the temple is, you know, got to keep the temple in good shape. It doesn't want to fall down. Okay, I got that. Yeah, I, I see that one little bit of scripture in there. Yeah, no problem. But and then there are tools for his service. Romans twelve verses one and two. Got that? Agree with you on that. And spiritual development and physical development share some similarities with each growth only comes with exertion and proper feeding. That's how the body stays healthy, but that is also how you stay spiritually healthy as well. You must put the exertion in. You must put that effort into it, and you must feed yourself well. You need to feed yourself well for your body to continue to work well, but you also need to feed your your spirit well to keep your spirit healthy. In regards to what you're feeding upon. But Paul is saying here bodily exercise benefits us only in this life. That's what he's referring to. It profits a little. It's only for this life. But the spiritual growth benefits you in this life and the life to come eternal. That's why that's where our emphasis should should be. If believers would put as much effort into the spiritual life as they do in their recreations or their hobbies or their games, what a difference it would make in their life. Wouldn't it not? Absolutely would. They'd be more healthier than they've ever been spiritually if they would put the same amount of effort than in what they have in their their fun times of things that they do. Certainly physical exercise is important, but spiritual exercise is even more important. And essential daily feeding is important. Both discipline and devotion are needed to make a winning athlete and an effective Christian. You must focus on that. I heard it said one time, if you have to choose between working out and worshiping, opt to worship every time. If you have to choose between Bible study or bodybuilding, choose the Bible study. It is good to jog and do squats, presses and curls. But how important and the desire of a pastor for you is for you to turn around and focus on the emphasis on jogging your memory about the scripture. That would be a far greater benefit. Or bending your knees in prayer versus squats, or pressing on into a deeper faith versus how much weight you lifted over your head, and curl up with a great book—the Word of God. See these those things. If you're talking like that to me, you're, you're, we're jiggy. We're, we're I, I, we'll talk all day long, because. I understand how great that will be for you now in the time to come, as Paul says here. Why? But godliness, godliness is profitable for all things, having promise promise of life that now is. See, Paul is explaining the value of being godlikeness. That godliness. Both here temporal and eternal sense. And that's what he's emphasizing to Timothy, for him not to lose and become distracted by the things that are happening in the culture, in the world around them, that was chaos. And he says, Timothy, don't get distracted and get wrapped up in the the physique thing and make sure you look good as a pastor. But no, you need to make sure you're spiritually healthy and doing well to be able to feed the flock. Godliness makes the life that now is better, yes, but we should not hesitate to believe it and to tell people that spiritual workout is a much better, profitable way to spend your time. Though godliness does not make this life most or more comfortable, it doesn't make you more richer or more pleasurable, or easiest at all. But it's no question it makes this world much better or more contented and fulfilling if you do spend the time spiritually growing. The greatest purpose of life is the shaping of the character by truth. Godly character and conduct are far more important in the development of your child than making sure they get their sports in so they can get some kind of promise or empty possibly promise to get some degree for free at some college you want. Because you're more worried about money. As your child doesn't even get spiritually fed. Or teach them how or her to read the the word and study the word of God. You have them out there running up and down the the field all the time. Thinking that is more important for them. That just basically stems from your own thinking of what you think in regards to your spiritual exercise versus physical exercise. But godly character and conduct are far more important. But like those who are exercising in the hot summer days, I am reminded that there are spiritual exercises that ought to be doing. And you can go back and read Hebrews 5.14 for that. Now, what would be some of those spiritual exercises that I'm talking about? We'll see it very clearly in the scripture. Prayer is a spiritual exercise you should be practicing all day long, meditation on the word of God, self-examination, fellowship, service, sacrifice, submission, witnessing. All of these are going to assist you and me in our spiritual exercise through the spirit of God to become a more godly person. These are the things we must practice every day. Not only for the now, as Paul says, but also of that which is to come. Remember, godliness is the only guarantee of a profitable life which is to come. It's the only guarantee. Yes, there are many pleasures. Yes, there's many achievements in this world that do not even pretend to offer you anything for the life. It's just temporal. And it certainly does not, those achievements that we make here on this world, and these pleasures that we try to find ourselves to fill our lives with, are certainly not eternal. Only godliness is the path to eternal life and happiness. Choosing a life of godliness is a win-win situation for those who choose to follow such a life. It's win-win. Win now as you live this life and win in eternity. And will be blessed both presently and throughout eternity if you choose to live and to grow in godliness. Now, verse 9, we see this is a faithful saying and worthy of all aspect. Paul is telling Timothy, don't, don't carve this out, Timothy, in any form or way. Don't look at it and say, now, nah, Paul, I like the first part of this first sentence you wrote here, but I don't like this part because it just doesn't settle with me. Uh, uh, I, that, that challenges me, and I don't know if I want to be challenged. Who are you to tell me what I can or cannot do to Paul. Now, Paul's very saying very clearly to Timothy, this is faithful saying and worthy of all aspects. Don't lose a thought here that I'm giving you, Timothy. For to this end, we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the savior of all men, especially of those who believe. So here in verses nine and 10, sadly, Suppose suppose we find ourselves here in the days to come. And suppose our government suddenly collapsed and a godless dictator appears on national TV as our new president calling for the immediate arrest of all of those aligned and open of their Linkage with the person of Jesus Christ. What would happen if that happens? Would your neighbors rise up in one accord and identify you as one of those followers of Jesus Christ? Would the people at work label you as a Christian? And tell the boss so the boss can then feed that up to higher government authorities. Letting them know that you are one of them. It's a very challenging thought, isn't it? In the days we live. It's a challenging thought because Paul says right here. Paul's telling Timothy, Timothy you and I are in a reproach. It's inevitable. It's inevitable you and I, people are going to come against you and I, Timothy, because of our stance for Jesus Christ. It's inevitable for those who truly live out their faith in this world. Why? Because Paul says there, because we trust in the living God. This is to be the great motto for us as a people here as a Christian in our Christian life. In God we trust. Even as da- David challenged Goliath in the name of the living God, he says to Goliath in 1 Samuel 17:26 and 36. He made it very clear to the big giant Goliath who he serves, and why he is about to come against Goliath. Because he serves in the name of the living God. So our trust must be as well. It must be trust in the living God who empowers us to accomplish the great things for his glory. The Savior of all men the Savior of all men. That is why we serve and follow Jesus. Here Paul is emphasizing here to Timothy and reminding him of the difficult times he's finding himself as a young pastor here in Ephesus that remind all men that the Savior is for all men. that the priority of the emphasis must be kept on the message of Jesus Christ. Don't get diverted, don't get distracted, Timothy. Your message must be clear. It's about Jesus Christ and our relationship with him as the Savior. It isn't that all men are saved in some universalist sense here, but that there is only one Savior for all men. It's not like you as a Christian, you have one Savior and all the others have some other God. That's not what he's saying here. But Paul emphasizes there at the very end of that verse, especially of those who believe. Those who believe who Jesus Christ is and what he has done on the cross. Jesus' work on the cross is adequate to save all. He came to die for all people. but only effective in saving those who come to him by faith. Not all will choose by faith to follow him. Even though all have been purchased by Jesus' blood, so that all may believe, And consequently, all may be saved. Giving an opportunity all to be saved. But those who choose not to believe will perish and perish with their own fault. They chose not to believe. And Paul says in verse 11, these things command and teach. Timothy, this is not an option I'm telling you here in this letter. You, young man, young Pastor Timothy, you are commanded and you must teach these things to the people. This has the note of authority from Paul to Timothy and was not to enter the pulpit with some speculations or some opinions of his own or some theories of men. No, you are to teach the word of God, Timothy, He was a fearlessly bringing God's word. That is what Paul is telling Timothy to do before God's people. And then let the chips lie. Let the chips fall the way they may. You just teach the word and let the spirit of God move. And however people receive it or reject it is between them and God. Timothy, a young man... Was perhaps as we see the scripture in First Corinthians chapter sixteen, verses ten and eleven, appears to be a timid or fearful kind of a young young man, a non assertive personality type. So Paul, knowing who Timothy is, had to be a little more forceful and command him, "This you must do." A command and teach these things, Timothy. Paul's prodding Timothy to do what seems to be Timothy is reluctant to do. He didn't feel like maybe doing it. It was uncomfortable to do these things. I'm not sure how people will respond if I do these things. Paul is saying, no, Timothy, I'm going to prod you, man. I'm going to keep putting some pressure on you. I'm gonna, you must do these things. You must stay firm and you must be courageous, Timothy, in the ministry. This is important. And then verse 12. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers. And he outlines the areas that he must be an example to to believers. He must be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and purity. Paul says, "Timothy, we know you're young." Now, at this point, Paul is probably around seventy years of age. Timothy is somewhere in his thirties. So, from <laughs> from Paul's perspective, Timothy was young even though he's in the 30s, we wouldn't say that would be young. But for it is, from Paul's perspective here, and the position maybe he finds himself in, in regards to being a pastor. He's still kind of young. He's still growing in the position that he's he's in. But he sits there and he's telling Timothy he was vulnerable to the errors of youth, which brings the often justified criticism from the older population. He says, but don't don't despise your youth in the position you find yourself in there, Timothy. You're going to grow, and I'm going to continue to teach you and continue to be an example to you. You just need to follow my example. I'm given you commandments. I've given you these things. I'm writing these things so you cannot forget what I wrote or what I said so that you will apply these things. You must practice the Word. Not only just read the Word, but you've got to apply it to your life, Timothy, so that the people can see you as an example. And the areas that I need you to be growing in, Timothy, and exercising yourself in godly living is not only going to profit you, Timothy, but it will profit all of those who are watching your life and following alongside you. It's going to be profitable for others, Timothy. And if you do these things, it will enable you and us to be good examples to those who are watching and encouraging others who are watching your life. And what were those? Well, the first is to be an example of what you say in word. Our speech should always be honest and loving. Speaking the truth in love, Ephesians 4.15. The second one that Paul mentions is what you do in conduct. How do you actually live your life in conduct? Are lies are controlled by the word of God or is your lies reflective of the culture that goes against the word of God? We must not be like the hypocrites Paul notes to Timothy and uh, to Titus in Titus 1:16. They profess, they know God, but in works, in their actions, they deny him in their actions. Oh, I know God, but they live a life that goes completely against the word of God. Paul says, that, you, you can't be that way. That is not an example that will encourage and help those who are in that congregation, Timothy. The third thing he says is how you express in love speaks to the motivation of our lives. We do not obey God to be applauded by men, Matthew 6.1. We don't sit there and love people so you can be applauded and get all the attention, Timothy. That is not how it works, Timothy, in the ministry. But because we love God, we love God's people. And that's why, Timothy, as you grow, you will love people. You will love God at a deeper level, and you love people. You can't wait to be around God's people, to hear His people, to speak to the people, to pray for the people, to serve the people. And you do it out of love for God and love for His people. The th- next one that Paul mentions is that you need to give an attitude in spirit. It's that inner excitement. It's that inner enthusiasm like a child of God. That is what you need to have, Timothy, in the ministry. That's what the people there in the church needs to see is this child of God kind of excitement enthusiasm to read the word of God, to apply the word of God, to serve God. These are the things that the people need to see. And then there's a the consistency in faith. That sense of faithfulness in your life, Timothy. Faith always leads to faithfulness, Timothy. A trust in God and are are faithful to him. And people will see that you're faithful. You show up regardless of how you feel. Not just when I feel like showing up. When it's convenient for me. No, that's not how it works, Timothy, in the ministry. You will do the things that no one else wants to do for the sake of others. As we sang. you will go for the one and leave the 99 just for that one. That's what it means to be in the ministry, Timothy. And then finally, living in purity. It is so important as we live in the present evil world that we live in. And Ephesus was a center of sexual impurity. And the young man Timothy was faced with temptations all around him. And he must keep himself pure, not only in mind, but heart and body. That's what Paul is saying to young Timothy. Be very careful, Timothy. The enemy is always looking to try to take you out. Be very careful of the influences of this culture can have on you. Be guarded. These are the criteria of Timothy to which to assist to be an assisting or be at, uh, an asset to a, as a pastor to the people. If he is smart. If he is funny. If he is cool, if he dresses so, so hip, is that a term you use anymore today? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure what the current term is. I, I had a hip, you can tell I'm going back a little bit. That's all that came to my mind as I was writing. Is he popular? How many books has he written or articles has he published? Or if he has any number of other things that matter so little. You must look at a pastor who is an example in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit in faith and in purity. See, Timothy was to be a good minister, reminding the people in the church of the simple truth of continuing just to read the word of God. And today we see that not only is to be a good minister, but a godly minister. Timothy, you must practice and continue to practice daily the Word of God and applying it to spiritual disciplines because that is so important as a minister of God's church. And the next time we come together, we will see this third section where Paul will speak to Timothy about being a growing minister who is progressing in the word of God. He's going deeper and deeper into the things of God so that he can share with God's people. Let us pray.